with us in Christ. Experience what God is doing for us in Psalm 26, let's begin in verse 1. God says, Psalm of David, vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in the signs of iniquity. I have also trusted in the Lord, I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in the truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with them. The assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands with innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord. That I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wonderful works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house, and the place where you have made me dwell. Do not gather my soul with sinners, for my life is blessed to men. Whose hands should they think to see, whose right hands to see the bride. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity, redeem you, and be merciful to you. My foot stands in an even place, and the congregation I will bless the Lord. One of my favorite songs, well, let's meditate and look at verse 1. We're going to bypass the Psalm of David, part there, and we're going to vindicate me, O Lord. We have an old King James, and it goes something like this. Vindicate me, look at me, and find out that I'm right. Vindicate me. For I have walked in my integrity, and I have also trusted in the Lord, and I shall not sit. Of course, we have another old King James, we have another old King James, and we have another old King James, and we get our ideas of passion and guidance from it. We look at verse 1, we can find out a lot about being a whole person, and that's the title of tonight's message, being a whole person. And when I looked through this, I wondered, how we might go with whole person and how we might look into that. There are lots and lots and lots of views out there about the three parts of mankind and the testimony to that that's out there with uh, three states of matter and things of that nature. There's all kinds of trinities or trinities, if you will, that are out there. Uh, but I, I wonder if we're going to bring us back to a simple Christian lifestyle and we're going to look at being a, a whole person, being a Christian God says called us to be, and I believe expects us to be, even now. So there are many self-help books that are out there, and many self-help to how to become a whole person. Uh, if you've accessed the Bible, then of course you do not need to present Psalm 1, sorry about the title again, of those books. Psalm 26 tells you how to be a complete person of integrity. So let's begin our journey with this guy. Now, number one, you can take a look at eight, eight pictures there, how to be a whole person. Uh, and of course, if you don't have a pen or pencil and you want it, just let me know. I'll give you the PowerPoint, and you can take it home with you. So, uh, number one, trust in the Lord without wavering. We get that from verse one right there. Uh, and uh, we just looked at verse one again. I trusted also in the Lord. Uh, so we're going to trust in the Lord without wavering. We're going to be that whole person in there. And so let's get some pictures from the Bible how we trust in the Lord without wavering. And that's really the key part. It is one thing. Say I trust in God. The other thing is actually trusting God. Can somebody say amen on that? We say that all the time. I trust in God. But then we turn around and say, I ain't trusting in God. I'm trusting in the government. Speaking of the government, um, some of you probably know this. There's a, a debate on tonight, and I cannot wait to watch that debate. And the reason why is my prayer has been, Lord, make that old saying come true. Liar, liar, can't come true. I think the debate would be a lot more entertaining if that actually happened. 
What about you? What about that? That would be a great, great television program. Anyway, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We're trusting God with all our heart. Now, here's the picture. Here's what we need to get from this. We're going to be a person of integrity, a whole person of integrity. The first thing we need to learn is how to trust in God with all of our heart. And let me tell you something. That is not an easy feat to accomplish. How do we do it, Jeff? Well, I wish that there was a step-by-step formula. And I wish there was a set list of rules to learn to trust in God. I'm going to tell you right now uh, how is attainable for a Christian. And this again, it's not a state to go to. It's not a formula to raise you up on high to be a holier than thou art Christian. It's something that every Christian needs to experience. It's something that every Christian needs to have in there. And this is how we start trusting in God with all our heart. Number one, are you ready for this? This is not just number one about how to be a whole person of integrity. Number one, how to trust in God with all your heart. You need to put this down on your refrigerator door. If you got a chisel, chisel it in the stone. Number one, develop a love relationship with God Almighty. Amen? You don't have that love relationship with God Almighty. You will never trust in Him with all your heart. There is no substitute whatsoever for the love relationship with God. How do you have a love relationship with God? Well, let me ask you a question. Just looking at human beings, how do we have a love relationship with another human being? Well, we communicate with each other, don't we? Humans communicate. It's really hard to love somebody you don't talk to. Now, you can remember somebody, and you can love the memory, but to love them as they are is hard to do when you're not communicating. And so, you need to develop a love relationship with God, and that begins with communicating with I.E. Christian, we need to be in prayer. Somebody say amen. Prayer. Prayer is how we start trusting in God with all of our hearts. When we pray, now, listen to me for a second. When Christians start praying, we find out that our God answers prayer. He is a answering prayer God. Now, sometimes those answers don't always yes. Sometimes they're no. And sometimes they're not what we want. When I ask God to vindicate me, oftentimes He shows me where I am the one who needs to be seen. In fact, I've often found this. When I get on my knees and say, God, this bad happened, and God says, well, you tell you what, you're the one who when we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, then the Bible tells us in Proverbs 6, something happens. Something happens. This is, without a doubt, the way of doing the will of God. Do you want to know how to do God's will? I know we just went through a course, a wonderful course called Experience of God, and Mr. Blackaby, who is the author of that course, he really stressed the love relationship with God. And I want to really stress that love relationship with God as well. But I also want to stress this. You will not be able to do the will of God if you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. Take a look at me in verse 6 of Proverbs. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. You want God to tell you where to go? You want God to tell you what to do? You want God to tell you what to say? You want Him to tell you where you're supposed to be at? Then you need to start acknowledging Him in everything you do. And that means you've learned to trust Him with all your heart. You trust Him with what you wear. You trust Him with what you eat. You trust Him with what you say. You trust Him with what you read. And can I ask you a question? If you were to put that up right now against God, how would that fare? God telling you what you've been doing, what you've been watching, what you've been saying, how you've been acting, or behaving, or responding lately. That sound like somebody trusting God with all their heart. Only you know the answer. It's not for me to answer that. Perhaps you're online tonight. Only you know that answer. We're to trust in the Lord with all the heart and lean not on our own understanding. We're going to be a person of holy integrity. 
eternity. Be that whole person that we have got to learn to trust in God with all of our hearts. And to do so, we've got to trust Him every single bit in everything we do. And verse 6, the Father tells us, chapter 3, tells us in all our ways, acknowledge God. Then, and only then, you could translate to the direction of God. When you learn to trust God, when you learn to walk with Him, when you learn to look at Him and say, You're right, and I'm wrong, and it's your way, and every other way is wrong. You can find yourself being directed by God. Let's take a look at the next slide. Here's another picture of how to trust God with all your heart. Trust it also in the Lord. Remember verse 1 of Psalm 26? I've walked in my integrity. I've trusted also in the Lord. How we trust God with all our heart? Look at me in Psalm 143, verse 8. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Notice that the psalmist says, I begin my day by listening to God's loving kindness. That is the love relationship I'm talking about. He doesn't get up in the morning. He doesn't leave without talking to God. Can I ask you a question? Is God your number one priority or something else? The psalmist here talks about this. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. In you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. If we're going to be that person of integrity, that whole person of integrity, we've got to trust in God with all our heart, and we've got to develop that love relationship. We've got to begin first in the morning. Let's take a look at the next slide. Isaiah 26, 3 through 4. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Do you want that peace? Do you want God to direct your, your mind? Do you want your mind renewed in the spirit? What you got to do is trust in God. You've got to trust in Him with all your heart and not on your own understanding. Listen to verse 4 of Isaiah 26. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, and that's the Hebrew word for God, the Lord is everlasting strength. Incidentally, when you do start trusting in God, you're going to find out that you're the one that's going to get tired. You know why you're going to get tired? Because you're going to try to do it on your own strength. And then we're going to have to learn step by step in that love relationship that's not about us and what we can do. About him and what he can do. And as we just found out, as we just learned, as we just quoted in our prayer meeting, there's nothing impossible for God. Amen? Not one thing. Let's look at the next one. I'm going to run out of time here. Number two. Number two. This is verse three of Psalm 26. Remember how to be a whole person here? We've got to walk in God's truth. Your loving kindness is before my eyes. I walk in your truth. This is verse three. Your loving kindness before my eyes. Michael 6, verse 8. One of my favorite verses right here. Uh, in fact, some of you know it quite well. It's a very famous verse. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. If you are going to walk in God's truth, the first thing we need to do is become humble. That is one of the biggest problems in the modern-day church. We are no longer humble. We think God needs us to accomplish His will. We are but tools for God to use. In fact, just to remind us, God doesn't really need us to do anything. We need God to do everything. Sometimes, when we get a little high or big-headed, we need to remember that God can use donkeys to preach the gospel better than we should. God can use rocks to preach the gospel. God can use clouds. And let me tell you something else. God, even in the end time, will use angels. How do we walk humbly with our God? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of James that we need to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And then he will lift you up. Let's take a look at that for God. 
you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Walk in God's ways. Not only do we humble ourselves before God, but we continue to walk in His way. It seems that we ask the question tonight, saying, which way do you think is God's way? How many of us can answer? I think a lot of us can answer which way is God's way. But when we bring in children of our own, when we walk our own way, when we walk God's way. We want to be that person of whole integrity, that whole person we've got to walk with our God. Walk means being pure, truth, humbling, and in his path. Ephesians 2, verse 10, we talked about this about two Sundays ago. So we are his workmanship. Remember, we looked at that word for Rima. There's a point there. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Walking in God's way, walking in the truth, and doing God's good works. Somebody might say, Pastor, give me some examples of good works. You know where we start with good works in Christians? Prayer. You know where else we need to start? Bible reading. You know where else we need to start? Loving each other. You know where else we need to go? Take that love outside of this building and start loving the people that we teach love. Love them. Love them. Walk in them. And when you start loving them, love them, you're going to find out that the world really does take Christians of you and love them because Christ loved us. Plus, sorry, we'll take you in the next slide. Number three. We're still in Psalm 26 here. Still looking at how to be a whole person. Do not sit with deceitful people. Now, let me throw this out here just for a second. That doesn't mean if you go into a restaurant and you sit down at a long bench and you have to be sitting next to a deceitful, wicked person, that God is going to hold you as a sinner. No, that's not what it talks about. That's not what it's meaning here. Also, you come to the church and sit down, well, you don't have shoes well standing. You have these padded, comfortable, beautiful chairs. That's the amazing. Y'all remember, I don't know if y'all y'all remember the yellow TVs and everything? I remember when I came back and saw green chairs, and I thought they had a positive side. And uh, anyway, it looks good. I still love them, and it's still comfortable. But my point is you can sit down in a chair, and it happens to be a deceitful, wicked, evil person sitting next to you. Does that make you a sinner? No, it doesn't. So what are we talking about here? Don't sit with deceitful, wicked people. Look at me in verse 4 and verse 5 of Psalm 26. It says, I've not sat with idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. What are you talking about there? That means that I don't get myself caught up in what they're doing. As a Christian, we need to draw a line between what wicked, evil people do and what good Christian people do. Somebody should say amen here tonight. We're supposed to be saying no to those things. I don't know if you're talking about this. Saying no. Why? I love God more than that. I'm not going to stick with them. I'm not going to conspire with them. I'm not going to sit down and plan it out. When they start changing the subject to something evil and wicked, get up and get gone. Move on. Because God has something better for you. Take a look at the next slide. Psalm 1, verse 1 tells us Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You're blessed when you don't sit with wicked, evil people. You know what else you're blessed? You're blessed when you don't sit around saying, Did you see the way they were acting, the way they were talking, the way they were behaving? You're blessed when you don't get caught up in any bit of that wicked, evil, 
fight for me. Bless. Don't sit there with them and say, did you hear what they did? Did you look at how they were dressed? Don't even get involved in any of that. The Bible says, you're blessed. You want to be that whole person? Don't sit with them when they start talking that way. Say, I'll start talking to you later. I'll talk to you later. Time to move on. Let's take a look at the next one. I know we have time. First Corinthians 5, verse 11. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth, and you know something bad has happened there. Look at Paul says in verse 11. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reveler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person, meaning sitting down at the table with them. Well, of course, if you're Jewish, you're kindly at the table with them. Not to sit with them. them when they're hurting. What it means, though, is we don't partake in what they're doing. Why? Because we are bought with precious blood. We're redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Not just money, not just philosophy, not just good thoughts. We've been redeemed by the blessed Son of God. Amen? We are better than that. Next slide. Number four, we're going to be told do not go Dishonest people. Look at me in verse 4. Once again, Psalm 26. I got that when I got this morning. Don't let go. Then you're a hypocrite. Now, hypocrite is an interesting word. You probably know that the script does have a Greek root. It is a Greek word. That man, what it means is somebody who plays a part. They put on a costume. They play a part. It really comes from the old Greek plays where only had men as actors, but they had to have women inside the story. So the man would put on woman's clothes and act like a woman. That's a hypocrite. Well, that sounds about like you're 2022. Somebody say amen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not to get off on that subject. But that's what a hypocrite is. Somebody who plays for themselves. You know, we do that in scriptures all the time. It's funny. That's the first thing out of somebody's mouth. Here, really, Christians do sin, don't they? Christians do mess up. Christians do offend on occasion. The Bible tells us it's impossible unto the sense should come. Here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. There's a difference between a hypocrite and somebody who's not. There's a difference between you are not supposed to sit with and go with hypocrites. Look at me in verse 4. We're going to be a person of integrity. Don't go with them. Here is David. Nor will I go in with hypocrites. I'm not going to cast my lot in with them. I know what they're doing. Yeah, they might be doing something good, but I can't be a part of it. That I know. He likes to go out street preaching. Now, as he's out street preaching, he says, I ignore those guys who start saying, Amen. When I'm street preaching, well, keep preaching from the good book, brother. He said, Those are two words to me that that person hasn't been to the church in 75 years. Now, that's exaggeration. He hasn't been to church in a long time. He hasn't been there. Those are key words for me. He says, I don't sit with him. I don't grow in with them. I don't go in with them because the moment I do, they bust out a cigarette, they bust out a knife, they start cursing out the person next to them because they're interrupting me, and I now cast my lot in with them. I will Therefore, I will not sit with that dollar this morning nor I go with hypocrites. Don't cast your lot. You know what they're doing, even though they might be doing something good, 
know who does that? You know who does that? The great, the uh, great set. Muslims do. Muslims believe that they can be friends with their enemies if they have a common enemy together. Christians, we don't do that. We don't do that. Let me tell you something. The reason why we don't do that is we love. We cannot let the world be a part of the church. In fact, the world cannot be our friend. The world needs to look at us and say, there's something different about us. Why? Because if we make ourselves a friend of the world, we make ourselves Proverbs 4, verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Don't go with those hypocrites. Don't walk with them. Don't partake of what they're doing. Don't enter the path of the wicked. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to read quickly again. Next slide, please. Job 34, verse 4 through 8, just to move to the background. This is Kevin Heath speaking about Job to Job and calling Job a hypocrite. Look at what he says here. He says in verse 4, let us choose justice for ourselves. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job has said, I am righteous. But God has taken away my justice. Verse 6, did I lie concerning my wife? My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. Verse 7, what man is like Job, who drinks corn like water, who goes in company with the workers of the nation? We don't go with Christians. Incidentally, Christian, that's the first name the world's going to call you if you're a hypocrite. They are. Look at Job, what they're doing right now. All right, let's take a look at the next slide. Number five, hate being an evildoer. Take a look at you, verse five. Go to Psalm 26. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. I have hated the assembly of evildoers, and he says, and I will not sit with the wicked. You are sitting with the wicked. I hated the assembly of evildoers. Well, we don't go with hypocrites, and we don't sit at the table with iniquity. What is good in the world when we're talking about hating the assembly? Remember, we're learning how to be a person of integrity. Look at me in verse 3 right here, First Peter chapter 4. But we spend enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. And how I like to look at Psalm 26. And I sit down, evil doers, more than what evil doers do when they sit down together. They say, well, they talk about the next set of evil. No, they don't. You know what they do? They talk about the evil they've already done. They sit back and say, you remember that time? You remember when I did that? I was so cool in the neighborhood. You remember when everybody was looking at me and I was shining? I was living my prime, babe. There I was, the man. Everybody loved me. Look at what Peter said. First Peter 4, verses 3 through 5. But we spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles and you can understand what they're what Peter is saying here, for the will of the boyum, the Gentiles, and Gentiles is used as negative right here, means the adulterers, those who don't love God, those who hate God, those who would rather give their life for sin. It's been enough for a lifetime. We have been committed to I am one of We have spent enough of our past lifetime to do the will of the Gentiles, for the walking movement, lust, drunkenness, Revelry, drinking parties, abominable idolatry. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge like you. The living 
don't see in the congregation. When you hate it, when they start bragging, get up and leave. When they brag, it's time for you to lag behind. You know what I mean? Let's look at the next one. Number six. We're still in Psalm 46. With thanksgiving, declare the wonderful God. Look at me in verse 7. And I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell all your wondrous works. Tell them how to be that person of integrity. Oh, person of integrity. Staying away from those evil deeds. Staying away from those sinners. Staying away from those bad people. Instead, trusting in God with all our hearts. Walking in His truth and in His way. We're going to be in a person of integrity. We need, with thanksgiving, to declare the wonders of God. Well, how do we do that? Every Wednesday night, we get a chance to do that. Every Wednesday night since I've been here, never been without fail. Someone said it to me. I got credit. God did this. God did that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He answers our prayers. Look at me in Psalm 51. King David. King David, after his horrible sin was back. This is what he said. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And renew a right spirit with me, my spirit with me, and hold me by your very spirit. Then I will teach. Here we go. Then I will teach. I'm going to bless God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to testify what he did. Verse uh, 13 here, then I will keep transgressions your ways, and sinners shall be converted to thee. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. We are to sing, to pray, and to tell everybody the righteousness of our God. We're supposed to give praise to God. You want to change the subject and see you quickly? Start praising God. Let me give you a piece of text from your Bible. The next time that telemarketer calls, don't get mad. Start praising God on the phone. You know what they're going to do? Hang up. True. Start asking them about whether they go to church, whether they know Jesus. They're going to hang up on you. They're the ones who are going to get angry. The other ones are going to have a smile on your face. Next time they ask you if you have an extended warranty, say, I've got the greatest warranty you want. Let me tell you about it. Absolutely positively free. King David says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And when you do, I will keep transgressions thy way. I will sing aloud of your praise and your righteousness. Because David wanted to be Christian and holy. Look at the next one. First Chronicles 16, 23-25. Sing to the Lord. All the earth proclaim the good news of the salvation from day to day. How do we sing God's goodness? How do we declare His goodness to sinners? Proclaim the good news of the salvation from day to day. Look at verse 24. Declare his glory among the nations. Know where that is then? In the house. His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. You understand that song? Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all. Love being in the Lord's house. Verse 8. Love coming to church. One of my users, you don't come to church for other people. You come to church for God. Amen. 
come for another reason you only got following you love relationship. Lord, this is verse 8 of Psalm 23. I'd love to have a taste of your house. Lord, I'd love to have a taste of your house. That's what the focus is on. But we'll come back to the and the place where your great glory dwells in just a second. I would love to have a taste of your house. Psalm 122, verse 1. Sorry, to take too much of your psalm tonight. But I've had a lot of fun with it. Look at me in verse 1, Psalm 122. This is a song that I said from King David. I was glad that King David when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Every Sunday morning, we quote the scripture. This is the day the Lord has made. We should be rejoice and be glad. To love God. Love the presence of the glory of God. But the description is when we sin, when we sit with sin, when we partake of what we're doing, when we get involved in the conversation, when we just keep on acting like one of the guys, God. And then we walk away and feel that. You know what? I know you know what I'm saying. You feel that. And that's how people. Feels him, there's no greater feeling 
the presence of God. And here it is. Thank you.